I'm Marianne Kobasek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. I'm here at HIMSS talking to Kevin Fu, who is Professor at Northeastern University and Director of its new Archimedes Center for Healthcare and Medical Device Cybersecurity. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Marianne. So, Kevin, as you know, the Food and Drug Administration recently announced that medical device makers must include a cybersecurity plan in new product submissions to the agency for pre-market approval. Beginning on October 1st, the FDA will refuse to accept new medical device submissions that don't detail security measures, including a plan to address post-market vulnerabilities and a method for coordinated disclosures of exploits. How significant is this new policy and why? Yes, well, it's very significant, and it's not only for uh, medical device approvals, but also for 510K clearances uh, uh, as well. Uh, th this is really a watershed moment because it's no longer just FDA guidance, which is traditionally non-binding. Uh, this is now federal statute. So this is a federal law, uh, which is very different. Uh, so uh, the, the Congress uh, has given FDA no option. Uh, they said, we, FDA, you are now required to regulate the medical device security engineering pre-market as well as post-market. And the, the, the new law has a number of very specific uh, pieces of technical language in there. So th this is very significant. But I think it's for the better, and I think many of the leading companies have already been working on these. Um, now, I think this is probably going to accelerate the uniformity of better cybersecurity, and, uh, but it will take some time. And that's why there's a, a six-month, approximately six-month period uh, where the FDA is offering uh, sort of an olive branch to help manufacturers who are deficient to come up to speed. And so what do you think will be the impact on medical device makers? Do you think we'll be seeing many makers having to go back to the drawing board in terms of putting more attention on cybersecurity of their products? And are they the, sort of the less mature device makers that might be most affected? Well, whether you go back to the drawing board, I think there's shades of gray. So I think uh, if... At the extreme side, if there's a manufacturer who has based their entire security architecture on a perimeter-based policy, sort of a yes-no, do you have a firewall, yes-no, do you have a secure hospital network, if their security depends on those kinds of requirements, it could be a flag day for them. I mean, that, that could be um, pretty hard for them uh, because they shouldn't have done that in the first place. But I think most manufacturers um, probably don't have that extreme view of pushing all responsibility onto the healthcare delivery organization. I think for the manufacturers who are more common, uh, who have uh, at least some semblance of a security architecture, a notion of uh, not whether the security fails, but how gracefully does it fail? And so I think the manufacturers who are able to answer the question, how gracefully does it fail in, in, a, in a, a coherent uh, and intelligent manner are going to have a much uh, easier time. Uh, but those on the extreme side who weren't thinking about security, they're going to have a very quick learning period, I think. And now we've all heard about the scary scenarios involving attacks on medical devices, such as targeted attacks on cardiac devices, of VIP patients, and those sorts of things. But on a day-to-day -day basis, what are the cyber threats and risks involving medical devices that you're seeing right now that are most worrisome? And why? Well, the, the cybersecurity, medical device cybersecurity risks that are worrisome to me, I would divide in today and tomorrow. 
Uh, today I'm worried about massive outages that's affecting availability. Availability is, is a type of cybersecurity. Uh, that, that's something that worries me today. You'll see this with, for instance, the ransomware that brings down an entire healthcare system. You'll see ransomware that affects entire product lines, especially cloud-based medical devices. Uh, there's a single choke point uh, if you have a cloud provider. If that cloud provider becomes unavailable, uh, for various reasons, uh, then that is not safe or, or effective. Now looking toward the future, one thing that concerns me uh, would be remote programming or remote therapy devices as well as home health care. These are really important things where we can have really innovative therapies and diagnoses, but if we don't get the cybersecurity story right, patients and clinicians are going to lose confidence in the technology. So what I really hope is that we can have technology that uh, maintains the confidence of the patient uh, and the clinical team and we know that the security engineering techniques that are coming through these guidance documents that are part of a consensus of a large stakeholder group, we know that this is going to lead to better confidence and safety and effectiveness. And now, how might the FDA's new refuse-to-accept policy affect medical device makers in countries outside the U.S.? For instance, are there other influential medical device regulatory agencies in other countries that have taken similar moves or might consider doing this, as far as you know? Right. Well, the omnibus bill, of course, is purely U.S.-centric. Uh, but there is the International Medical Device Regulators Forum, which shares frameworks for its regulatory uh, policies. So uh, I don't know if every country is going to have their equivalent to the U.S. Congress implement a law requiring uh, that kind of detail. Uh, it's possible. What I do think you're going to see is slowly over time uh, this much more movement to um, uh, requiring just on the cybersecurity alone, uh, because it's become just so obvious. It's such an essential ingredient in technology today. Uh, you just have to have that cybersecurity story. Congress, uh, of course, uh, foresaw this, uh, making it making it law. Uh, I, I predict other countries will will follow suit, but perhaps not through their legislative process, but through a regulatory process. Do you think the FDA's influence, being you know, such a large country, and you know the pressure now on medical device makers to sort of get their acts together, could benefit you know internationally uh, other organizations that you know use the same products that uh, you know the American market uses? Well, as um, as a former uh, IT, uh, uh, you know, uh, cog in the IT machine, pr producing, uh, uh, making products in the IT sector, I know one of the things we really liked is being able to make a single product as opposed to one for every country. So I think, um, for instance, uh, software bill of materials, S-bombs, those are going to help. Once you have the S-bomb, that's going to help a lot in producing that S-bombs in other countries. Uh, and frankly, I think it's going to make those devices more competitive uh, because the, the um, uh, larger healthcare delivery organizations are going to be wanting these S-bombs contractually, and that, that's probably going to give them a competitive edge uh, if they're able to satisfy the FDA uh, U.S. Uh, regulatory uh, regime on, on uh, medical device security. And finally, Kevin, you recently joined the Northeastern University in Boston and took on the role as director of the Archimedes Center for Healthcare and Medical Devices. What sort of interest are you seeing from students and the healthcare community of, of this new center, and you know, where do you see it going? 
So I am just so happy with the number of students and faculty and manufacturers who've reached out. Everything from how can I take your class in medical device security to, hey, I study regulatory affairs and I would really like to get involved with the cybersecurity side. Uh, it, I'm just really pleased with that. The other thing I think is really interesting is that Northeastern is most known for its co-op program where the majority of its students go on you know, six-month co-ops uh, at manufacturers or regulators. Uh, and uh, just today, I, I met one of our Archimedes members who's a, uh, who's a CISO at a very large medical device manufacturing company, and he pointed out, you know, I went through the Northeastern Co-op program and worked at the VA, and that led to his career. And so it's really happy to see already the full circle going on of students being interested in joining, but also seeing the alums from 10, 20 years ago coming back saying they're just so thankful of that opportunity. Northeastern has a very different approach to education, being very mission-driven as opposed to method-driven. So it's not I'm a computer scientist, it's more I'm helping healthcare or I'm making medical devices more trustworthy. Uh, and then what tools do you need to achieve that? Might be computer science, might be electrical engineering, might be biomedical engineering. And so it, it's really great to have that interdisciplinary nature uh, and a real hunger to do better for society. And finally, very briefly, Kevin, is there one or two things you're keeping your eye on right now about medical device cybersecurity, you know, aside from the FDA's recent regulatory changes? Well, I think uh, what I'm keeping my eye on are the progression of uh, manufacturers. Uh, certainly we do training, and so we're always seeing uh, you know, uh, waves of different requests for training on things like threat modeling and SBOM uh, and the regulatory affairs aspect. So I'm, I'm keeping my eye on that because that to me is a litmus test for the maturity of the manufacturing community. And so I'm, I'm pleased to see an uptick, but I know it's not universal. Uh, so education and training is something that I am thinking heavily about as well as co-op programs because I hear from every manufacturer that they're having difficulty hiring uh, and so part of my job at Northeastern University is to help develop pipelines especially with diversity equity inclusion and working with minority serving institutions to really help provide opportunities to students who don't even realize they could use their gifts to improve healthcare cybersecurity, and we hope to link them uh, to the many employers out there in the U.S. And, and the world at large. Well, thanks so much, Kevin. I've been speaking to Professor Kevin Fu. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.